podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. that's diving into the weekend like James Keatings. My name is Craig Cairns and I am in your area. Joining me today to talk some Scottish football, we have a sleep-deprived Andy Harrow. Hello. And we have a guy who's contrastingly just been sitting on his farter all day, it's Craig Anderson. Thanks, yeah, lazy lefty liberals. <laughs> this is the podcast that won't be covering any of the Europa League matches because they're happening right now, mm-hmm. pretty much. So we're not going to have much to say about them. What we are going to talk about... So what, what a result that was. <laughs> <laughs> what we are going to talk about, though, is the two pulsating Scottish Cup replays from the last two nights. Uh, and we're also going to just talk through some some random teams later on. But first, we're going to start with what is hot and what is not, both inside and outside of football. Uh, I presume we've all got us one in a similar ballpark to begin with, a naughty. Yes, yeah. um, it's uh, James Keating's... Um, for a profe- well, not him. For a professional footballer to behave like that, to try and get um, an opposing player... <laughs> it's, to get it's disgraceful and I think they should throw a brick at him. The way he fakes the contact. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's, uh, it's an infuriating one because... I I have often have sympathy with um, these panels who are making decisions because what they're out to do is not to judge is the decision correct on the basis of like 50-50. They have to prove that it's wrong. So sometimes you've got an, an incident where you think that's probably not a foul actually or that probably is not a dive but mm-hmm. there's some dubiety about it. Yeah. And so you can understand the decision but this one's unfathomable to me. You've got three guys sitting in a room and at least two of them have went, do you know what, yes, that is a dive. Like how how yeah. have we come to that conclusion? And nobody since, in the fallout on social media and in the media, not one person, there's a few jokingly have, yeah. but not right. one person uh, agrees with this decision. Even Gary Lineker is getting on in on it today. Yes, you would expect there's always some sort of shock jock type person or somebody the son or whatever who thinks, well, actually, I'm just going to... Even despite what I see, I'm just going to go with the complete opposite of what actually happened. But, the, yeah, there's none of that because it was so... I mean, it was so obvious at the time, but the... Again, you can... I, 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 to be honest, I think we maybe talked about it earlier in the week. I couldn't understand why giving it in the first place. Like, even, you know, accounting for the fact that it was one guy and there must have been other things going on and he's not maybe paying full attention... I don't understand how he didn't see the contact and that it was initiated by the uh, Rangers player. But to then have people like watching video of this, like slow-mo from a few different angles, and the, I get a bit funny about statements sometimes, but the Inverness one was quite good in kind of detailing what happened in kind of the stages of it and what the kind of process they went through and all the different camera, camera angles they could see it from. How they could still not believe it was the case that uh, it was a foul. I don't know, because even even the referee, from judging from what Inverness said, uh, and I think I'm getting this right, the referee basically said he thought that um, Keaton's had kind of died and initiated the kind of contact. I didn't see any contact, 
but that's and that's fine like that's if that's what he thought but that doesn't like mean anything in terms of when you're watching the footage it's just a kind of a, a so I was reading it I thought before I come on to this and if we're going to talk about this I will actually read the essay because I had a yeah we, we were emailed it, uh, we were emailed yeah. it by someone in the SFA we last were, season maybe we were, I think it was and, and I read uh, the updated SFA judicial panel protocol to work out exactly what's happened here. <laughs> a good deal. Exactly what, what a day. What a day. Um, so, uh, <laughs> While students' education <laughs> suffers. Yeah. Um, but I'm not being paid, so I'll do what I want. Um, and basically, so so the Inverness have the right to appeal because it's a, it's a, for simulation. Yeah. So they, that's the one yellow card you can you can appeal basically, and that and wrongful um, like misidentification mis- or whatever you call it. So they then have to submit evidence that the decision was wrong and all that happens with the referee is he is asked to write a report explaining why he gave the decision he's not asked to review the decision he's not asked to say in hindsight do you think Mm -hmm. you're right it's just basically matter of fact why did you give that so he writes the report to say well this is as you said Andrew this is what I saw it goes to a panel so the panel basically the SFA have a list of people who are on their panel these three people are, these are, they're completely independent of the SFA and they are selected, three of them off that list, and they meet over a video conference and they basically discuss the decision, take into account all the evidence, and then come to a decision. And it doesn't have to be a unanimous decision, so it only needs to be a majority decision with these three people, which means it's not just like one person. There has to have been at least two of them have, yeah. have said that. And then at that point, they make that decision. And the thing that I found very interesting um he didn't tweet it on his main timeline, but Daryl Broadfoot, who is not employed by the SFA. I thought but he was again now, no, isn't no, no, he? No, he's not employed by the SFA, but his PR company has a contract yeah, well, with the yeah. SFA. Right, okay. Um, when, um, yeah, so so he, he, he's essentially employed by them. I mean, even when he wasn't, or he officially wasn't, he was still uh, yeah, I mean, a I defender mean, of them, yeah, and, yeah, for, yeah, and for good yeah, reason sometimes. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like Daryl Broadfoot in the, in the sense of... Um, yeah, I didn't mean that I, as a negative. I, I, yeah. I, 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 I don't know him as a person, and, and sometimes his opinions I don't agree with, but I think he, he's quite articulate and he, he's reasoned, so he yeah, comes on and you know, when, you, when you get a spot sound where everyone's just bashing the SFA <laughs> kind of pointlessly, <laughs> so, yeah, there's at least yeah. someone who's kind of... Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. But it was interesting to note, because he was the person that they get on to defend these decisions mm-hmm. very often. I remember him... Um, taking quite a ludicrous viewpoint actually with Kelly last season with um, Steve Clark but I think I, I got into a bit of a spout uh, a bit of a war of words <laughs> with him on Twitter but this time last night there was an Inverness and he tweeted on Saturday or Sunday immediately after the game quote tweeted James Keating saying you are able to appeal simulation and then last night an Inverness fan replied to him and said like did you think it was a yellow and he said no I didn't and then he said, and they asked him what's the process, and they basically outlined it. And then he said, sometimes even the SFA are baffled by what these panels come right. back with. Their and own panel. That, and I thought well, that was interesting because, yeah, they, they choose the people. So I would suggest to the SFA that they don't um, ask any of those people ever to yeah, make decisions right. in football ever so, again. Do you think it's right so, that these people, sorry, and do you think it's okay that these people are anonymous, this panel? I think that's reasonable because, I mean, otherwise you get, even if they make Yeah, I suppose that, I can open that up. It's just Michael Stewart said he was, I mean, people, one of the criticisms that's made are they should be ex-players, but they could be ex-players because Michael Stewart was asked. Yeah. He's, he's, been, he's talked about how he was asked but turned it down sorry Andy what no, you no, said? No, no, my question was and uh, this is just my ignorance I don't know how they make up these panels it's so not they, clear to me right? yeah. Yeah. Well, well, they asked ex- Michael Stewart so they were obviously going <laughs> round trying to find people that they thought could do a good job yeah. but 
they just happened to find three Yeah, maybe they, they were looking for a mix. Yeah, maybe they were looking yeah. for one of the three to be yeah. filled by a player. I don't know, um, an ex-player. But, but the, it's, it's like there's loads of people. There's probably it's, it's not like the same people all the time. No. But I think I think that kind of came to because it's one of these right. Sometimes you get a decision and you think that's been potentially that could be made for political reasons. You know, for example, Celtic and Rangers play each other, and there's a dodgy decision that really affects the out- outcome of the game. And there must be pressure to kind of stick with the original decision uh-huh. to avoid opening a can of worms. Uh-huh. In this case, there was not a single person in the country who would have disagreed if they had overturned that. Do Rangers that even care? No, 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 no they don't. No. They don't. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's such a low-level decision in terms of, like, the only people affected by this are Inverness and Wraith. Wraith. How many people day-to-day <laughs> care about that? So, so that, that's what, I mean, and when people talk about corruption in the SFA, there's, it, it, there's no such thing. It's incompetence no. completely. Because if you're corrupt, that's the kind of decision you just go... Well, nobody cares. We'll just we just give it. Everyone's happy, basically. So it's it's like that sort of real stubbornness, and I just I, I do not understand it in the slightest. Yeah, no, I, I, no, it doesn't make any sense. It throws the ref under the bus as well because yeah. he's not got the chance to. It almost looks like to an outsider like he's went. I, I, I'm, I'm doubling down in this. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. I, I, Sean mentioned though. I think the the one benefit of this is we don't have to play James Keaton in the final because I think Sean. Put on that they'd scored something like 11 goals against us over the past number of appearances. So, and I had a feeling that he would score as well because he's he's very good at that that level. In fact, yeah, there was that there was a hat trick for Hearts he scored. I remember, yeah, uh, in the championship. But so so that's good for the Rovers. Uh, but yeah, the the process that they managed to get to with it was bonkers. Do we have any other hotties or noties um, in this extended m- version of it? My a hottie for me is uh, Aberdeen fans. Um, so there were 1,200 of them at the game last night, which for a midweek game um, is good. But also, it's the second time they've had a um, heartbreaking victory over Kelly in the Scottish Cup in, um, in kind of quite dramatic circumstances. And both times, I've been kind of dreading getting the train back up to Glasgow, kind of, you know, thinking, you know, this is going to be a nightmare. And both times, have been absolutely brand new and, um, you know, very, you know, calm and, and magnanimous and not, you know, try to rub anything in. And, quite a know, contrast quite, to that Hibs fan on Twitter. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, but I don't mind that, but no, no. So, so it's, a, it's a contrast to the waiting game. months to dig you out. Yeah, but that's fine. That's fine. That's I don't good. mind that. But they, um, their online presence can be a wee bit kind of snarky and a wee bit, um, as, as I guess most people are. But no, just every single one of them that I encountered last night, and, and not just to me, just generally, they were, they were. Um, yeah. It was, it was good, and that was it. That was my impression the last time as well, because I was, I was absolutely, like, I wasn't quite as bad last night. But when they beat us in penalties, I thought we were going to win the cup that year, yeah. and I was fuming. And I was like, this is going to be a nightmare. And they were spot on then as well. So, Did you see there some train problems with them? The previous train, so the, the second last train home, which if you had left Rugby Park and sort of sprinted or, yeah. or went fairly quickly to the station. So so several of them would have been doing that because they had to get back to somewhere like Edinburgh. Um, was cancelled. Right. And therefore, the only the last train, which I was just, I wasn't bothered, so I was just sauntering to get that yeah. one. Um, so then... They basically they had nine minutes to get from Central to Queen Street. Uh, yeah. um, so, uh, but but I I realised because they they were kind of like, "Are we going to make this?" I kind of walked briskly and got there in about eight minutes, and I wasn't needing to be there in nine minutes. So I think they would have got it. Yeah, but Scotrail were entire the the ticket conductor. You're really was, enjoying your time off, eh? I know the ticket. <laughs> this is this is what I do. But the ticket conductor was great, and she was trying everything to help them out. But it seemed like Scotrail, when they kind of higher ups, were being absolutely no help at all. Oh, really? So um, 
but they would have probably got their train and yeah. to be fair yeah so so that that was a positive yeah. for me actually that, that both times for for a club that i think has a bit of a reputation as, as being a bunch of yeah. assholes that like maybe based in their own link and, and stuff like that they've, they've been been spot yeah. on yeah. so uh, uh, my uh, just i guess bring it round to that for games themselves Man, naughty is the fact that we couldn't see them and we've barely seen any highlights especially the Aberdeen one even up till later on this afternoon I, I mean it's a, it's a pretty tired thing in terms of the fact that we, you know, we know we can't watch any other football apart from Champions League on Wednesdays and Thursdays I think the issue is with the fact that it, the, it wouldn't be so bad if the Champions League was the way they used to do it and you had a couple of Weeks where they just had, you know, they had six gates games one Wednesday and then six games on the Tuesday or whatever. And it was just yeah, of course. Yeah. But the fact that they drag it out over yeah. the course of about a month and a half now, yeah, it just it really, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like all those midweek uh, games that we have in December and January, which is like the worst time of month yeah. to be doing that, is because of this as well, because it's the only times we can play midweek games. Yeah. So it's and it's it's just just the whole usual thing about how the the top of the tree has no interest in what else is happening elsewhere and the, the, just the fact that we had those two bonkers games like, over the last couple of nights and just nobody yeah it happens quite a lot them. of the way yeah. it happens yeah. quite a lot of these kind of replays know, tucked know, away know, there's a cracker that you miss and I, I suppose that's one thing but the point you were making there as well it's the there not being many highlights made available no. as well and, and obviously the broadcasters have to stick to the rules and all that kind of thing but um, yeah because I, 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 I kind of think because I went on this morning Thinking I could watch the highlights of the game, and you know, there was nothing that you could watch. Not even on Y Scout. No. Yeah, I mean, we not everybody has a Y Scout subscription, but obviously we're lucky to have access to that. But not even there. Yeah, which is a bit un- uh, unfortunate. Uh, I've, one more naughty before we move on. I've gone for uh, misfits and weirdos. Uh, they're clearly not hot at the moment. Uh, funnily enough, misfits and weirdos have weird views that don't fit in with not, uh, modern society. And it seems that the number 10 vetting process has been left wanting at this point. I, 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 was, I was getting a blank look at first. No, 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 it was fine, he could keep his job. But then it comes, he says some nasty things about uh, women and about relationships and these kind of things. And then all of a sudden that's, that's, that, that's over the line. It's weird. I don't, I don't know yeah. what, I don't know. There, there's just a, there's a, somebody else made this point, but there, there's, a, there's a lot of, especially kind of white men of a certain uh, position that are quite happy to kind of talk about all sorts of things and talk about how, you know, how uh, controversial they are and everything else up until it eventually bites them in the arse. But uh, there's just loads of people who think their opinions are really interesting on a number of topics of which they're wildly ill-informed. I mean... That, that could be the, yeah, the tagline for this podcast. <laughs> 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 Remember yeah. that for the show title. So yeah, it just shows you that um, number 10's vetting process can't be that stringent because it took a national journalist just a 10 minute search to get these to get these quotes and uh, and and bring them down anyway let's get back to the football we're going to start with uh, the replay from last night which was Kilmarnock 3 Aberdeen 4 AET is this the most 
played fixture in Scottish football. Yeah, so um, Gary Cocker was talking earlier on the WhatsApp group about um, astronauts who go spacewalking mm. and how if they basically get detached, then they're basically left to float out into the atmosphere with seven hours of oxygen mm. left in their tank, basically knowing that they're eventually going to die. That's what it feels like to sit and watch Kelly <laughs> against Aberdeen at Robbie Park. Um, you, you've got that sense of inevitability that no matter how well it's going, you, you just know how it's going to end, which is you're going to get beat. Yeah. Uh, and I, that I meant I probably, even at 1 0 up, I, was, I wasn't getting too carried away last night. You just kind of felt that that was going to come. It was only when it went 3 2, and I was like, all right, okay, we might actually win yeah. here, that then it hurts you even more because otherwise, you know, at 1 0, I was like, do you know what, we're, we're probably not going to win. And when it was 1 each and other, I'm like, well, if it goes to penalties, we will lose. We've got literally the worst penalty shootout record of any team in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, which is true, we've, we've only ever won two out of like 12 or something. Um, but then, yeah, when you go 3 2 up with like three minutes to go, you, you certainly don't expect to lose um, in normal time or in, without even getting to penalties. So. Especially when you bring on a defensive substitution to see out the match about four seconds before conceding the goal. Yeah, you said it was the kind of Miles Addison yeah, thing at the time. It was Addison, yeah. 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 And yeah. that was Lee McCulloch, and that was the moment you thought, um, I know um, that we, we've talked about this before, that we were kind of thinking, oh, Lee McCullough might actually know what he's doing because he, a few times he'd kind of tactically looked all right and then that moment when he brought Addison on and just completely disrupted the game, he started to go, ooh, maybe not. Yeah. Um, and, and that maybe gave me the same feeling about Dyer because Aberdeen, so, so um, first half was, was a Kelly Aberdeen game. It was, mm-hmm. um, it was gritty, it was a battle, um, not very much happened, but Kelly got ahead and Aberdeen were, were quite poor. And then McInnes very boldly made a triple substitution at half time. He went for, or he, he, he certainly, it was hard to tell what they were playing to be honest, but he went with two up front certainly. And Mean and Cosgrove were, were causing us quite a lot of trouble. And had Alec Dyer gone to three at the back at that point, it would have made sense. I don't think anyone would have minded. But by the 117th minute, we kind of got a handle on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't causing huge amounts of trouble. There was no need to do that. Yeah. Um, and especially, um, it didn't matter, eventually he took off our, our best penalty taker to um, bring on a set of half. So even if we'd conceded one goal, you're also hamstringing yourself yeah. unnecessarily because, yeah, we, we'd, we'd kind of sat through the onslaught, the onslaught, because Aberdeen were, were, were by far the better team probably from the from half-time all the way up to about the 115th minute or 110th minute, and then we'd kind of seen that off and uh, yeah, and then at that point he, he makes a change in it, and it's directly responsible for both goals because he comes on in the middle. That shifts Finlay kind of out to the left, which means that he's further away and, and has to kind of make that that daft challenge that he does. And then Johnson himself, and I don't blame him because you're a young player, you've not played much football, you get thrown in, in, in what was a wild game, kind of lots of pressure, everything's going. You know, you need a calm head he's hardly played a game of football and you get thrust straight into that it's very hard for him um, I mean it's a, it's a terrible own goal but so it's just it just I think it, it probably brings sense home to me that, that Dyer's not the man for the job long term because you just it's just that type of thing you just go do you know what you can't afford mm. that kind of thing it was just totally unnecessary yeah he seems like a very good uh, motivator and uh, man manager and that kind yeah. of thing uh, it, it looks like he, everybody and, wants and to team. play for him and he's an infectious character and that kind of thing but um, whether he is a good tactician um, that's, that's is what, what, we, what we don't know but then, in fairness 
he's in his first job at it, so yeah. he's going to make mistakes, and the 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 trick might be that he's going to get time to learn from them. And I guess uh-huh. the question will be whether or not the, the problem is, and he's already pulled himself out of quite a rut. He had a really and, 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 and poor start. I, I'm not writing them off, but it's just you, Kelly don't need to be in a position to where they have someone who's mm-hmm. having to make mistakes in their job or not. You know, one of the bottom rung teams. If yeah, you want to have yeah. a manager that goes and makes mistakes, you go and make them in the, the third tier or something. Do you know what I mean? We were in a position of strength when we went to make a managerial appointment in the summer. We tried something that didn't work. We would still have been able to hire much more experienced or much more capable candidates than Alex Dyer. And that's not a slight on him because he may go on to be a great manager. And I hope he does it, Kelly, because everyone wants him to do well because he's, he's very popular. Mm-hmm. But it, it just kind of spoke to me of that but it was a shame because especially I've probably missed the worst performances under his reign but the games that I've been at the difference with Alessio in terms of how much on the front foot we are and okay it's, it's not like we've been atta- an attacking team but there's intent all the time it's always like it looks like there's always something that we're trying to do and, and the games have been much more exciting as a result so there is something there but you just see these decisions and it's just kind of very, very... Well, what about the way they set up? You described El McCreaney as playing the Richard Keyes role yes. that he was more to the left than you were expecting. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, because we, we talked about it. You saw the line-up coming in and obviously McKenzie... Um, well, they'd said 4-4-2 in the radio and in, immediately questioned it looking at the personnel. Because, um, yeah, uh, yeah, because McKenzie had been playing on the left and playing quite well and sadly, yeah. sadly picked up an injury um, which we didn't know about until kick-off basically um, and um, and it was good of the local newspaper journalist not to report that um, until the team had been <laughs> announced he said he saw him the day before in a moon boot and didn't, <laughs> didn't say anything about it um, but uh, when I saw McCreaney had come in I thought well we're maybe going to kind of play a narrow three in the middle let Hamline and get up and down and maybe have Brophy drop off to the left but it wasn't that it was just El McCreaney playing wide left and he was very very good um, even, even accounting for you know the goal that he scores, um, just grafted away. He's a he's a clever player. You know, being Dutch essentially, yeah. you, you expect him to be able to pass a ball and stuff, and he can. And um, but he he got stuck in, but he tired because not he's not played much. He's, he was out injured, I think, and then he's just back. Mm-hmm. And he was flagging by the end, and that was another kind of mistake. And that he was kept on the park, and then eventually. Um, you don't see it in the highlights, but he's the one that gives away the free kick yeah. that Aberdeen score equaliser from because he was kind of caught out, and then he was kind of running over and he stumbled into I want to say it was Kennedy it might not have been stumbled into whichever Aberdeen player it was just kind of on the corner of the box and but no but the, the set up I thought was really, it was good I, I had no complaints about how Kelly played in general I thought I thought um, actually up until because when I'm watching a game I always if I know I'm coming on the podcast I'm always thinking well what am I going to you know say about this game if I talk mm. about it and I was thinking you know up to that 88th minute goal Aside from the nagging doubt that, that turned out to be true that we were blue, <laughs> um, I was thinking, Joe, this is probably the, even by the standards of the Kelly team for last season, one of the grittiest performances I've seen. Um, sadly, up until the penalty, I thought uh, Stuart Finley was, was possibly his best game he'd played for us. He was fantastic. Just a couple of times when Cosgrove was kind of coming at him and he would beat him for strength and kind of take the ball away from him and then mm-hmm. dribble past him and start the move. And it was like watching a kind of Italian defender of old, you know come in, win the ball, stride out of defence and play a pass. And I was thinking he was playing very well. Broadfoot came in for Del Fabro, which is a surprise. But then again, it's exactly the game for Kirk Broadfoot because it's niggly, it's the kind of battle when you need experience and you need guys like that. And he he was great. Um, And then you're dicking in power, you know what you're getting. But everyone was putting 
a real shift in and you thought, you know, this is this has been a good game considering Aberdeen, as I say, were, were much better than us in the second half. But uh, you mentioned the equaliser there. I mean, it was Constantine that got the equaliser and he puts in the cross for the winner at the end. Some some night for him, but he's yeah, he's become like such an important player for Aberdeen recently and he's grown. He's grown from a bit of a huddy mm. and you've seen him just steadily go on this upward trajectory and now he's yeah, he's like a he's like a he's one of the first names on the team sheet for Aberdeen now. Yeah. Uh, and it is it's nice for kind of guys like that as well that are still pretty unheralded, um, even though you know everyone knows him Scottish football. And yeah, the fact that he, I mean, he is he's just a kind of dependable member of the, the team. Like um, McInnes made a point of saying about the fact he managed, um, you know, uh, Mc, not McGinn, um, Forrest at the weekend uh, against Celtic and it kind of coped fine. He said he's played them as a wing back against yes. Forrest. Yeah, and he, said, yeah, yeah. he said something like, the older you get, the more I have to ask from you or something yeah, like that. And he said yeah, that was a new yeah, role he had yeah. asked him to play there. Um, but yeah, no, he's, he's, and he seems just a kind of likeable guy as well. He's kind of one of these people who, who just it's quite nice to, you know even if you're an opposition fan you can't get too annoyed when kind of Andy Considine scoring goals or being Pe- happy but people um, kind of make fun of these kind of stalwart type players in the sense that you know they're, they're old and people always are like oh we need younger players in yeah. but you see and I've seen it from watching from Kelly team and you see it from other teams these experienced players can be so important in terms of the mentality they bring in yeah. a, a young player playing in that same position maybe just doesn't have the Nose to keep going. No. Well, it's Andy Considine yeah. of ten years ago. Yeah, that you're describing. yeah, yeah that's <laughs> I mean, but he doesn't. He doesn't push up. He just let that no, ball goes yeah, out, you know, yeah, for a goal kick or whatever. Yeah. Because it's just like, well, I'm a defender here. I don't know what to do. I'm yeah, just. Yeah, I'll, yeah. But that's that's where experience can be really important. And yeah, I mean, he ultimately decided the game in two different ways there. Um, so. Yeah, as I said, going back to McInnes, I thought it was very bold. Um, you know, it's, it's something that could easily backfire when you make yeah. three subs because actually about five, Somebody limps off about five minutes after half oh, really? time, uh, Lewis Ferguson went down, oh, yeah. um, and I was secretly hoping he was going to go off because <laughs> I thought, well, if we go down to ten men, um, perfect. But no, he, the players. I mean, Aberdeen were very poor in the first half. The players he took off, he took McGee off, he took Bryson, who was awful, yeah. and um, McLennan off. None of them had impacted the game. McGee has been really poor since he came back. Yeah. But again, I think for me, for McGee, it might take him another. It might take him to the end of the season and into the next season before he actually. It's you kind of expect because of how good he was at Hibs for kind of players like that who are used to the Scottish game to be able to come in and just immediately pick yeah. it back yeah. up again. But you're in a different team, in a different formation, yeah. in a different set of players that you're playing with. He's intelligent enough that. He, you could see him eventually get into it, but you're right, he's not had the kind of impact that they expect. That, that McInnes was kind of saying uh, they, they just got overrun in midfield, you know, the, the wing backs were just playing as full backs and they just weren't able to, to get a foothold in it. So, giving us a cup, it kind of maybe gives you a chance just to be a bit adventurous and just and think, they, well, you might as well go and for they it. Went, and they went, on the, it, yeah. they went on the front foot yeah. and yeah, um, they, they really put Killer under a lot of pressure and. Um, as I say, it looked like we'd maybe seen it out because we started to come back into it and created chances. And so like Brophy did a really good chance one on one. Gary Dicker played a brilliant through ball for him. And he it was hard to see what he did because there was a defender ran across him just as like and it's not in the highlights and yeah. the defender ran him. It looked like he kinda of tried to lift it over Lewis with his left foot and yeah. um Lewis saved it. Um which would have been about ten minutes to go, they made it two 0 Um but it looked like Kelly had kinda of seen it off and then it's um as I say the the um El McKinney gives away the fill, which I, I don't blame him for. He was just tired and he stumbled into the player. And then 
Hamilton, I don't know if Hamilton is marking him, but Hamilton in defensively had absolute nightmare. He, he doesn't, well, we should it, direct people, what was the video that you showed me Aberdeen, just before we came on here? Aberdeen, um, is it the red final in the Aberdeen with yeah. fan So he, everyone starts about in line with the penalty spot, and then everyone to a man other than Hannah Leinen moves about seven yards towards the goal, and Hannah Leinen just stands where he is <laughs> yeah, the entire and time. And quantity as the cross goes on. He's like the best head, well, apart from McKenna, maybe he's the yeah. best head. But the ball and Taylor, yeah, they've yeah, just got loads of giants yeah, in the yeah, and Cosgrove. Yeah, but um, <laughs> we dealt with a lot of that. We because um, they had been an onslaught, and as I say, I don't think you could say Aberdeen didn't deserve mm-hmm. to win, but it was just the manner in which it happened. But they, they were. I, I did think it was it bold from McInnes and, and it, pro- it probably did change the game in their favour because if it kept going it was, it was 1-0 yeah. written over it if it kept going the way it had in the first half It, it was fantastic scenes um, I know maybe not so much being a Kilmarnock fan but it, it was it was, uh, it was great to watch in highlights this morning similarly the game the night before which ended Motherwell 4 St Mirren 4 uh, dramatic for Different reasons, really. This one saw Simbirin take a 4-1 lead, which was astonishing in itself. But then, obviously, Motherwell came back and forced extra time before going out on penalties, before participating in the worst penalty shootout since Simbirin took on Dundee United. It was really bad. There was... um, I don't think a huge surprise maybe to St Mirren fans, judging by the tweets that were coming at half-time with St Mirren following up, that they ended up not not winning the game in 90 minutes because... Yeah, there's a certain kind of special type of team that managed to chuck away three goal leads after kind of dominating. For Especially a team that doesn't score or concede. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, but this is a, this is also a team who managed to lose a cup final when they were uh, playing against nine men. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, Well, that's, that's yeah, what I mean. They're a special, <laughs> a special type of team, and I think their fans kind of understood that. Uh, but they, I mean, they looked again. I've only seen the highlights, but. Um, and Graham was obviously there as well but they looked terrific and uh, going forward and Bika I thought was excellent like, I loved his second goal they, just the kind of cushion finish into oh, the, where he gets uh, away from McKeever I think yeah, it was yeah, yeah. and sort of just kisses the post and it, when it went in so that was a terrific goal and he he's definitely I think and maybe we mentioned this on Monday but he seems to be somebody that St Mary can kind of hang their hat on for the rest of the season they do currently have a striker that's in some degree of form as mm. far as Teams at the bottom go, um, and yeah, the, and it kind of exposed how slow Motherwell were at the back. Uh, Graham was not a fan of McGabby or Hartley. Uh, yeah, Hartley had an yeah. absolute yeah. nightmare. Certainly, as a partnership, I always wonder. You know, sometimes there's two players that you know if they play with someone else, you know, if it's with Aldridge, yeah. maybe they get away with yeah. it. Hartley doesn't even react after the first goal, um, yeah. and then by the set by the third goal sorry which is just a comedy of errors and it just hits off him and goes in he's he's just fuming he's, he doesn't look like he's providing anything constructive or anything no, like that it's quite telling that both of them get subbed at half time I mean you don't often see two set and halves getting subbed after 45 minutes but again kind of similar situation to the uh, game last night in terms of the manager the team losing just kind of went for it they just through it. I mean it's a minute we're saying they didn't really understand what, what tactics Mother, what formation Motherwell were playing by then they were pretty much just chucking everyone forward kind of playing a, I don't know a 4 4 maybe or not even that um, and it did in the end you know work to some degree I think fair play to Tony Watt because um, he's come back he, that's his first start for Motherwell he's come back after a couple of not very good spells in Scotland you'd say and then or sorry the last two clubs he was at in Scotland he, he didn't perform very well um, and in that moment in that game 
he gets the ball in a nothing area. He's got about four St Mirren players equidistant from him. And he manages to carve out... He gets a bit fortunate with the finish, I suppose. But he manages to carve out and score that goal. And it sparks a comeback. Yeah. If he doesn't score that goal, they don't, they, don't, um, they don't go on that comeback. And like I say, personally, a moment for him. I mean, I'd like to see him do well. Because I, I did like him at Hearts. He just couldn't fucking score. No, I know I've said that before. I've, but I've, I've he did everything before. else right. I've said this before, but Tony, what about I think in terms of technique? He's possibly, one of the, possibly the best player in, in Scotland. He's up there with someone like Ryan Christie in terms of how good he is with the ball. What he doesn't have is any of the other attributes yeah. that, that someone like you know not really knowing how to use it. But there are moments you see him do things and you're like you're just so good and you, you keep thinking you know at some point he's going to click and, and you've got a really good player in your hands. And I think I think it should be a good pickup for Mullerwell, especially with the way they were struggling. But for Samirin, I mean the the mentality to chuck away a three goal lead like that and then still yeah it's like I think meaning. if the penalties had come I think because there was such I was yeah. thinking about this that, the, the very thing you're talking about on the, on the night of the game I think if the penalties had been if there hadn't been such a gap between yeah. the comeback and the penalties I think you're right I think the mentality would have been completely different going into that penalty shootout it reminded me of that um, league two title race with uh, Forfar and Arbroath where yes. our, our yeah. Forfar were like 14 points clear or something yeah. I was Arbroath, there when, Ar- when Arbroath won the title Arbroath came back yeah. and won it but then Forfar managed to go and get promoted yeah. through the playoffs and I thought in terms of like to, I, yeah. I, I, I think um, I'm trying to think if Dick Campbell was it no he was at Montrose uh, sorry Arbroath Arbroath he won the title yeah. but, but it was a bolo line. No, yeah, I don't know when yeah. but it was. Yeah. But they could have the. No, no, wait. No. To have the character. No, no. Okay, Sean would know. Just to have that mentality to be able to drag it through after such a crushing bowl, I think is testament to the type of player. And I think it's it's what Jim Goodwin expects from his teams. He's he's done that. You know, I think I said this before that his teams are. He's, St. Mirren are never going to finish above about eighth. Jim Goodwin, but also his teams are built. To battle and built mm-hmm. to dig things out, and so they're probably the right type of team yeah. that can do that. But um, it looks like he's added quite a bit up front now. I mean, you were talking about Abika there, but he seems to have benefited from Yakubiak coming in. And I said when they signed him that he had done well at Falkirk, okay, it was a level below, uh, but he looked like a bit of a chaos factor. Um, and, and Graham was saying that he was taken off at a time where he was still terrorising the Motherwell defence. I was going to say last night, it was two nights ago. So it looks like. Um, well, Graham said that it was like when uh, Hibs took Colin Nish off in the sixth. He compared game. it to that. Yeah, six, they were six two up and Nish had scored that actually. <laughs> and then there's that fear that shot of him that sitting on the bench with his head in his hands. Like, how did this happen? Here's the match ball, Colin. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the goals that Motherwell score, scored to get back into it, there's some yeah, I mean, I, I luck about them, cro- you'd there say. Were two, I mean, what's when we talked about the other two uh, crosses? Like, they're uh, definitely. They're, I mean, the Lucas Jukovic, they second, were not. No, it was definitely not a Jukovic. No. no. Um, and, and it looked like, I think, um, the immediately after kind of Motherwell got the fourth, that if you know, it was the kind of cliche, if anyone was going to win it, it was going to be Motherwell, but they managed to ride that out. And yeah, you can do the wrong, but unfortunately, with the, the two of the, the three goals they conceded in that second half. But, um, but yeah, the fact that they kind of managed to get a bit of a foothold in it and then hold on and somehow win a penalty shoot yeah. <laughs> where no one was very good. I mean, 
just if we jump to the penalties, the last penalty was probably the worst. But yes, there was, it was hell one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a lot of really bad penalties. Who was the first Motherwell one? Because that was like properly skied yeah, as well. Was it really was it Tony Watts was yeah, poor. Was yeah. that was that one of the ones that was skied? Anyway, there were so many bad penalties. And that, another penalty, poor penalty shootout came to mind there, where it was Dunfermline. The hearts, but that was different. That was that was, the was, that was <laughs> one, that, one of my favourite. That, Scottish that looked like moments. the hearts players were missing deliberately because of the absurdity <laughs> of the situation. Yeah. Every one of them was going into Rosette. It was interesting because I, um, as as, a, as, a, as we've already established several times in this podcast, I'm a bit of a sad act. And what I was doing when that game went to four each and went to penalties was looking up. Has there ever been in Scottish the Scottish Cup a penalty shootout, a match where the penalty shootout has had less goals than the match? Right. And it was the second time it had ever happened. Really? Um, it was a fourth for and someone, I can't remember who it was now, it was a three-each draw in the game and then it finished 3-1 on penalties. Right. Who was managing a fourth at the time? Let's uh, <laughs> uh, say it was Dick Campbell. It definitely wasn't because it, was it was in 1992. So oh, Gary Bowling. But no, but yeah, just... <laughs> Some really bad. We, I think, as a nation, um, we are particularly good at bad penalty shootouts. Mm. We we seem to know what it comes down to, and it's foreign players that are here as well, and it doesn't bode well for if uh, the playoffs go to penalties. I do not have I, any faith in that current. Is it, is it not? Just, is it not just a, a maybe it's just, a player like like the, you know the lower down the level you go, the less likely people are going to be able to hit the target from. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Luke Donnelly said they're a lottery. That's just what losers of penalty shootouts yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody ever does say it to someone, anyway. Um, no. Anything else to add from this game? Nope. No. I, I think I think the um, St Mary and Aberdeen game will probably um, be, be a good atmosphere and stuff. On the yeah. it's that that Saturday night game, which I think if right. um, I, I always look forward to the quarterfinals in Scottish, especially now they're all in. So even if your team's not in it, you can watch all four of them. And of course, the Aberdeen chairman's been wanting Saturday night football, so he's, yeah, getting, so he's, he's getting, getting, getting his wish. Getting it, and I hope the fans are there. You know, it's like it's like because he's wanted he was like desperate for Hibs to come on a Saturday night. So I now hope he releases a statement complaining about Aberdeen fans <laughs> having to travel to Paisley, and it's like a bit on the other foot. But um, <laughs> really don't like him. Um, right, he's he's just, he's not right, Cormac. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Without saying too much, he is he a Trump supporter actually? I, I don't think it's been established, but I just in general, I think he's bad news. He's just got to look. Yeah, watch the space. <laughs> we'll clip that for later. <laughs> right, we'll uh, move on to a discussion about some individual clubs in Scotland. Think of it like a mailbag without the yeah. mailbag questions. Tunis listeners. <laughs> um, so we'll start with uh, Livy. Yeah. How come they're so good again? Yeah. Or we should put in brackets at home. So, so that, I mean, Overall, they're still amazing. It's just contrasting that home and away form. It's, it's crazy. Um, I I wasn't sure about Livingston this season until we went and played them at uh, the Tony Macaroni in December. And they were excellent. They just played Kelly off the park. And, and what was interesting is it was the... Um, Midfield three at that time, I think I spoke about this on Monday actually, was um, Bartley, Sibold and Pittman. And it just worked so well because Bartley, he seems to have a new lease of life there because I thought he was kind of flagging a little bit of hips and I never actually was sure if he was really capable of playing at this level because his best times at hips were all in, in the championship. Um, but he's a new lease of life. Sibold seems to be growing into it as a, a footballer and Pittman runs about and is very... Gifted, and then when you've got Dykes up front, who is an absolute pest, I think one of the I mean, they've, they've got a few players that are on course for signing of the season, haven't they? Like, yeah. um, Guthrie, 
Bartley and Dykes are yeah. all yeah. all contenders. Dykes, I mean, um, Dykes will play for like a, a big club. You can see how much they miss him when he does Hart, If Hearts stay up, yeah. he's, a, I mean, yeah. he's, he's a dream Hearts player as well because he's an asshole. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but with all those three, you couldn't have assumed it in the summer. That, I mean, none of them were nailed on success stories. I mean, Bart, Bartley obviously wasn't because it seemed like he'd run his course and that Livingston was in a bit of a dud. Guthrie, we didn't really know anything about because he'd come from Walsall and then Dykes it kind of been overshadowed by Dobby I mean he, he was good at Queen's but it was hard to really get a proper handle and Gary Naismith always was. spoke yeah. highly of him I mean managers are going to do that yeah. but. it's interesting you know, Dobby not scoring so many goals this season and there yeah. is that down to yeah. fact he's a year yeah. older he, said, he but, said at points last season he wouldn't swap his front two for anybody else yeah. he was talking about Dykes as much as he was yeah. talking about Dobby when he was saying that well I, I, I think I've said this before but I didn't have a great impression of Dykes going into the last season then I saw him a couple of times at Queen's and he was excellent each time it was just he would occupy the defenders and it would give Dobby that space just giving he's a wee bit slower needs a wee bit more space sometimes to do stuff and he just did enough so rather than defenders having to constantly focus on Dobby Dykes could kind of take a centre half no bother and, yeah. and was very unselfish about his play which is something that's kind of carried over at Livingston and it, the the thing for Livingston that is, that you couldn't, and I think, you know, if we went back to the podcast kind of around about July or August time, you couldn't, I don't think I've really predicted that this, you know, series of results in this form that they're in would have carried over this season. You know, last season started off great, but the second half of the season they were a bit of a busted flush. They'd, um, you know, lost, I think they only won three games after that Hearts game that they, they tried Hearts. Um, in middle of December, which is uh, classic Hearts, but um, the, the, the you know they look like they'd they'd been found out. But this season they've scored more goals than they did last season, which too sure in terms of defensively. But they've kept it pretty tight, given that they lost Halkett, uh, given that they lost Gallagher. You think well, they're going to be struggling. They lost Hardy Menga, who'd been fine. But they've managed to plug the gaps in defence more or less. Even people like Aaron Taylor Sinclair coming back have yeah. been fine. Like all those people they've signed have actually been really smart, and they've not necessarily on paper looked smart, yeah. but they've actually been really impressive and they've kind of worked. One, it's even with like the one player who had decided, and I thought he's going to be a great signing is uh, Nicky Devlin, and then he's been out, he's been out injured. <laughs> yeah, he's been so out injured. He's uh, just coming back now. So you know, even even the one that you do think, oh yeah, no, that's going to be good. At, um, I, one of the ones that I've brought back is uh, Kieran Brown. He's one of the players I wanted to highlight. He's uh, came back in and started playing left back at first, which I think he did a bit during his previous spell. And I mean, he looks like a bit of a clogger, but um, he's been very effective for them. He's, he's formed a great. He's since been moved into the centre like, alongside Guthrie and has formed a great partnership with him. There's times when him and Guthrie are linking up in the opposition box and all this kind of stuff. He's now their long throw specialist, it seems, Kieran Brown. He's just that. Uh, he just seems to have come in and, and slotted them really well to that uh, um, defence. And you talk about their defensive record. Again, I don't know those stats off the top of my head or anything like that, but I'm sure they've got the second best defensive record uh, other than Rangers or something. Right. A home defensive record right. other than Rangers. Uh but again, away they're just yeah. they're just they're terrible away. So I can't imagine their away one being very good. But they've, they've also just brought in Effie Ambrose, which I think. Oh, right uh, enough, eh? Holy shit! I I feel because because Brown, I've obviously not seen him. Every time I've seen him in the highlights, I've been unconvinced. 
Um, they'll probably find another role for him. Yeah, he'll be like an inside forward or yeah, something. I assume maybe when Ambrose was coming in, it was it was to, to replace him because I thought maybe they want. Um, I mean, because Ambrose, we know he, he he's he's had his moments. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you, you always go back to that Champions League game against Juventus, but he should never been playing. In the yeah, first but he's still a caliber of player. Yeah, no, he, in no, terms no, of yeah, he's he's, he's, a, he's a, um, I know Hearts fans just like to describe uh, centre halves as strollers, and he is very much a stroller. He's <laughs> a guy, stroller. Yeah, he's a very much a guy that. Um, you just see I me. Mean, just he just exudes confidence, calmness, and class. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think I think it's a great a great signing. Um, if you know, again, if he's fixed, he's obviously not been played at all since he left Hibs, as far as I know. So, um, or was that, is that right? He went to Derby, it? but I don't. I think you're right. I don't think he made an appearance yeah. for them. I need to check it out. But he certainly didn't make many. Um, but yeah, I think if they can get the F.A. Ambrose of, of a couple of years ago, it'll be a, um, yeah. an excellent addition. Yeah, he was really good in Lennon's side. I am starting to lean towards um, possibly finishing ahead of Muller this season. Yeah. I mean, maybe Muller will bring bring it back together, but I don't think it would be unfeasible now to see them, them finishing fourth this year, which I don't think you could grudge them, actually. No. because um, Keeping Dykes in the team's a big thing. I think you're... I think, uh, I think he'll be away in this summer. I think someone will come in. Yeah, but I mean, I mean between now and end of yeah, the season, yeah. in terms of injury and stuff, that's going to be huge because you've, you've seen in games like Aberdeen at home and there was a couple others, when, when he's been missing, they, they have struggled. Yeah. They just don't have anything yeah. close to him in reserve. Um, and the centre midfield that you were talking about... <coughs> Two of those missed the last game, yeah. uh, and Bartley was definitely missed. But Sybold, yeah, Sybold is another one where they've just they've found a different position for yeah. it. Seems he's now Hold, he's now like yeah, a, yeah, yeah, or like an eight or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 he's, yeah, he's one. He's a holder alongside yeah, Bartley now. Yeah. yeah, and whereas before he was seen as I don't know, even sometimes as far far forward as a second striker, yeah. but certainly a number ten or, or or on the wing or something like that. So yeah, they've got a real knack of. Remember last season it was Stephen Lawless as a right wing back. They've got a real knack of like uh, finding uh, strange positions for these for these players, but which, which works. Um, it looks like we're almost at time. How about we just we just cut off here and we go do the rest on the Patreon? That was I think that was that was the decision we made anyway. It's just I think we expected to get a few more teams in before before we finished. Always say about this podcast too much Livingston content. <laughs> So we're going to go continue this discussion. Uh, we're going to get on to Rangers. We're going to get on to Hearts. We're going to get on to Falkirk, Dundee, I think. Yeah, we'll see how we can squeeze in. Rapid fire. Yeah. But anyway, um, thanks again for listening, guys. We are back on Monday and Thursday next week. The TV show is on Tomorrow I'm off for Fowler Stag, so I won't be watching it. Um, I, none, none of the talent will be watching it. No. I yeah. unless we find somewhere to put it on. No, <laughs> they've managed to find a bar that's given us a room for 34 of us, I believe. To uh, he's just going to give us a room and stick the Heart St Mirren game on. Oh, really? So maybe we can just get him to stick a view is from the terrace on afterwards. Yeah, it's actually on. The, oh, of course, it's Friday night. You just need to get a. BBC Scotland, yeah. which will be in the... Uh, the the listeners yeah, don't need to listen yeah, to this. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> just say bye, guys, and we'll get out of here. Cheerio. See ya. Sports Social Podcast Network.